millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Damn white supremacy, correct? Yes. Since you became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? No, Senator Hirono. People see the numbers going up. Close everything. Close everything. It's not the best way to do it, but it is a fear-driven response. The virus scares people. So we got to drive your business underground. Sucks to be you. Great to be the uh, New York Times best-selling author of How I Defeated the Coronavirus with Zero Deaths and Zero Fallout, uh, Andrew Cuomo. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being him and saying, yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, this guy, he's such an incompetent hand that he just can't shut up for a second. He's got to write, he's got to do his... His stupid pressers, you know, now they were eight months ago he started them and talked to his daughter and the boyfriend comes over and he doesn't want to see you. Sometimes the boyfriend doesn't come over. And so we need PPE. We need masks. We need ventilators. We're waiting on FEMA for help. Washington talks about doing a good job and being all that. We're waiting. Yes, the comfort ship is here. Thank you. Yes, this is boom, 30,000 people dead. Now you can buy my posters, sure, you can buy them, I'm on a book tour here. And what, wait a second, there's an outbreak, there's some uh, errant Jews in Manhattan, so we're going to have to shut down businesses and make sure you lock the playground so the Jewish kids can't, can't uh, enjoy themselves on the swings. We're not singling anybody out whatsoever. <laughs> C- could you Jews move aside, please? But Black Lives Matter and Antifa are trying to burn the city block down, so... Please step aside and show some respect for the cause for for 2020. What a jerk he is! It's incredible. But this has been this has been every. I mean, that's really the most astounding thing. And this was Cuomo, I think, today on a phone call with uh, a rabbi or rabbis, uh, 
he de Blasio had had just about enough of having to deal with the Jewish population, having outside celebrations, which really in the time of COVID, if there really is a horrific pandemic, historic black swan event, uh, uh, health, you know, crisis coming, then yes, they should absolutely not be doing that and congregating outside and not being social distance, whatever. But sometimes it's hard to believe that there are these black swan things happening when you know certain protests and funerals are absolutely welcome and encouraged and celebrated. So we've had the conversation eight billion times, but it's interesting just to hear him say it. It's actually, man, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm on Jerry tomorrow again, by the way, Jerry Callahan podcast, and Jerry wants Cuomo in jail, and uh, and I understand. And I don't know that you can for them screwing up their uh, strategies and procedures for to deal with this cr- crazy health epidemic or pandemic. I don't think you can throw governors in jail for it. I mean, certainly you would think there should be some civil lawsuits out there. I think there already are. But the hubris that came along and the lecturing and the hectoring from governors always aimed at people, generally people who were law-abiding, and it, they were so disappointed in you for not staying inside, not social. Di- look, you're not social distancing. We noticed a few people in a club in Boston, in a restaurant, hanging outside in front, milling up. No, now we're going red. It's go, it's red again. So there you go. You're going to take another sixty thousand dollar this month hit. And good luck playing your paying your uh, rent in Boston on Newbury Street or Broylston Street or wherever, because we're upset at you. We have cases, see cases. We got the healthcare people here. They're worried about cases, and then. You know, they're so far in now that we had that we played this stuff yesterday from the World Health Organization saying, you know, stop locking people down. It doesn't work. Stop locking people down. They've um, stopped taking input from the World Health Organization, <laughs> oddly enough. So that's what that is. This Cuomo stuff, I'll play the whole thing right now. This is just insane. Insane. Rabbi, I'll ask, uh, let me make a comment and let us talk this over. I don't disagree with you. Uh... And look, I, I'm 100% frank and candid. Uh, this and is frank. not a highly nuanced, sophisticated response. This is a fear-driven response. You know, this is not a policy being written by a scalpel. This is a, a policy being cut by uh, a hatchet. It's just a very blunt so just so you know, our reaction to all of this is going to be, you know, completely out of panic mode. Just so you're, in case you're questioning the foundations of the radical uh, changes that we're inflicting upon businesses and and the citizenry. Just in case you think that perhaps the foundations are shaky, I can assure you they are, and um, you know, not even shaky. We would an upgrade would bring us up to shaking. It's just the fear and reacting to people and trying to quell fear, and that's what we're really trying to do. So, in other words, Rabbi, yes, you're wondering if this uh, if this entire initiative has been done with competence, and I can assure you, no, it has not, but it comes from a place of fear. So, good luck. Uh, I didn't propose this, you know. It was proposed by the mayor. That idiot. Uh, in the city. I'm trying to uh, sharpen it and make it better, but... It's out of fear. People see the numbers going up. Uh, Close everything. Close everything. Uh, 
people see the numbers going up. They see their governor saying they're going to die for sure, like the other 30,000 people. And for some reason, everybody panics. We don't know why. It's not the best way to do it. In fact, it's probably the worst way to do it because it ensures that the more people die and the more businesses are insolvent and the more people now are moving to opioids or drug and alcohol addiction and livelihoods are completely wiped out. It's not the best way to do it, but it's how we're doing it. I wrote a book. What are you laughing about, Alice? <laughs> I just think it's funny. Like, well, this isn't the best way to do it, but we just have to because people are so afraid. We can't, heaven forbid, go out there and be brave and say something that's not what people what our main constituents want to hear we follow the science when it's what everybody wants us to do but if the science says something that doesn't totally confirm everyone's uh hysteria and goes against their personal narrative if the science starts to show something that's not what people want us to do for political reasons, then we just can't fall. We're too, I'm too afraid to go out there and tell people that this isn't the best way to do it. I'm just going to say it on this phone call. Ridiculous. Uh, it's the it's the Biden answer, actually, unpacking the courts. If I say something, if I answer that, they're going to use it against me. I can't answer that. <laughs> they're going to use it against me. My, my answer, the honest answer, would be so abhorrent to standards right now and norms that they'd absolutely use it against me. They'd consider me, you know, off my rocket. So, no, yes, no. What we've done so far in destroying the city and the state, remember, the city is just the idiot. That's not me. You know, I'm going to try to put a <laughs> fine edge on what the idiot's done. So, remember, that's not um, fine. That's, that's you know, resulted in huge numbers of dead and a completely destroyed economy to the point where we're begging the federal government just to, to bail us out. But, you know, unlike Ron DeSantis and the people in the red states, the idiots in the red states who were, uh, you know, streaming into Bass Pro Shops and uh, enjoying themselves, you know, those those states now that have 5% unemployment compared to my 15%, I mean, we're selling posters and we have a book, too. So there you go. So my dear Democrat friends, does it not bother you that this is what your elected officials think of you? Oh, well, our stupid sheep, they're too afraid. They're just panicked now. So we have to keep, you know, making them think we're in control of things by doing this huge lockdown that's destroying all these lives. But we can't tell them the truth that this is unnecessary. That's too much for their poor little brains to handle. That's too scary for them that there's diseases out there that we as politicians can't control and stop from ever hurting them. We have to... You know, we have to maintain this appearance by destroying the economy that we can protect all people from every disease forever. We can't be honest with our constituents and tell them that the point of the lockdown was two weeks to build up medical supplies, ramp up testing, you know, get everything under control so that we would stay within our hospital capacity, which we did, which was smart. But now, you know, this is this is something else. You're not going to stop people from ever dying from an illness. Our school district told us as parents that they would go back to normal when there were zero cases in our county. Zero cases. Right. And you, you, the, the, Cuomo became more of a national star than ever for this. Somebody who's largely considered a thoroughly corrupt and incompetent governor. But he gave these speeches and that was directly in con uh, these talks and that was directly in contrast to to Trump's highfalutin, you know, overamplified performances. And so yeah, there are these national reporters. You think you figure would would ask Trump? I would ask Cuomo. Hey, what are you exactly you talking about here? 
How come the demands, the, the stuff that you thought you'd need, you don't need? How come your people are dying by the thousands in your nursing homes and your policy is directly responsible for that? I mean, isn't it time to reverse? Can you pivot? Can you do something? But nobody would ask him that. Nobody, this press is not going to ask him that. Their job is to make sure they, they uh, portray a clear contrast between how competent he was and how well and how measured he was compared to a bad Cheeto guy in the White House who's the worst thing ever, who's done the worst things ever and that you can imagine. And he had a phone call with a Ukrainian dirtbag uh, that seemed to be not on the level. So there you go, Russia, 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 all that stuff. So I remember actually one reporter asking him, saying, but you had all these uh, nursing home deaths in the, that just crescendoed or whatever, the apex we saw last week, like 10, 15,000. And Cuomo saying, you know, I'm not going to go in there and, 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 and engage in Monday morning quarterbacking with you, okay? And the reporter said, okay. And that was it. That was it. That was reporting. You know, he didn't want to, you know, because Cuomo is such a sainted individual, you don't want to upset him or the tenor of the room. You know, the Cuomo people will be mad at you. Some of his aides and press people might call you. The comms people we talked about yesterday might call you and they'll be salty at you. They'll demand retractions and all sorts of other things. Of course, uh, you know, if, you, if you've if you done reporting before anything at all, if you've done even written columns before, you realize that these guys are paid to yell at you and nothing matters. But there you go. So he spent uh, some of today explaining the blueprints behind the blue state strategy of uh, reacting to the fear of COVID. But it is uh, a fear-driven response. The, the virus scares people. That is incredible. <laughs> that is incredible that he said that. Jesus. Hopefully we get the numbers down in the zip codes. The hey, Dink. The numbers are down in the zip codes, okay? The numbers are way down in all of the zip codes. Remember we had this compact with you last March? We get the numbers down because, you know, for us, for me and Bill de Blasio and, uh, you know, all of the people I hang out with, we're not really affected. Oddly enough, my close friends in private industry, law firms, etc., oddly enough, they're getting good government contracts. We don't know how. But for me and my inner circle, we work for the government, and we're doing just fine. So we're not feeling the problem. We don't think there is a problem. We see that you're complaining a lot. We see you complaining, and fine, fine, Rabbi. I understand that you control some political power down in Manhattan. So fine. I will spend a couple of minutes with you and just be honest with you. Okay, you got us, all right? We had to do this thing just because people were getting upset and anxious so we had to put on a side show to make sure that their fear didn't take over and that's how you handle things you know you could also just whitewash uh, after the the japanese bomb pearl harbor and you say you know it was a it was a one-off don't sweat it everything's fine we just have to uh we just have to flatten the curve we'll very very uh, silently just surrender to the japanese overseas but oh god can you imagine can you imagine this total bs You've got they got their marching orders from the CDC, who got their marching orders from the World Health Organization, who now tells them the new marching orders are don't cloister away, don't hide anymore, open up. Nope. Not opening up. Because there's no chapter in the book about opening up. It ends with it, everything being shut down, him being a hero. Anxiety comes down, and then we can have a smarter, more tailored approach. Your point is right. What? 
when is he a behavioral psychologist all of a sudden? <laughs> Anxiety will come down and then, you know, self-assurance will start to rise just so slightly. And so once we can hit an equilibrium of, you know, astute cognitive ability, then I think we're ready to have the real honest conversation with these idiots. Why close every school? Why don't you test the schools and close the ones that have a problem? I know. He's throwing these out. <laughs> I know. That would be a very competent thing to do and thorough and uh, wouldn't get me in touch in trouble with the teachers unions or the, or the custodian unions or whatever other unions, et cetera. I realize. Yeah, but that's a lot of work. I didn't get this job to do a lot of work. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's for chumps. A lot of work is for chumps. Uh, yeah. And it just to me, it's like the witch doctor admitting that they're little rituals that they do to ward off the illness don't really do anything, you know, like, you know, we'll all pray to the mask gods and we'll do the special lockdown dance and the evil spirits that make the disease will vanish into the night. Like that's, that's essentially the theory that we're dealing with here. And like, he's saying like, well, I know that all these things we do don't work. The WHO says lock. Oops, sorry, I cut you off there. The w- WHO says what? The WHO says lockdowns don't help. We know that masks only really make sense in certain circumstances and if people wear them the right way. But you know what? Like, they make people feel better and people are really scared. So we're going to keep doing these fake rituals that we don't know, that we know don't do anything just to, you know, keep the ship going. Like, and we're going to keep arresting you for not wanting to do the rituals with us. So. You know, good luck. Yeah, we're going with Operation Placebo Effect on the entire country <laughs> here. It's to show them, no, you have to be very careful, and this doesn't work, and that doesn't work. And, yeah, you know, if you're a certain comorbidity, then, uh, then you know, it's curtains for you no matter what. And, you know, it's very inconvenient that the, the, the fat uh, leader of the executive branch <laughs> somehow got the virus. And was two days later, you know, d- d- driving around on the SUV saying hi to fans. And the day after that was out of the hospital and is now on a world tour. Not really social distancing. Uh, or maybe he is. But, but people, I don't want, I, next person who talks about social distancing in a tweet needs to be punched in the head. I'm sorry. Even if it's me. <laughs> oh, and Mike Lee. Have you seen how mad they are at Mike Lee for daring to be at the Amy Coney Barrett hearing and not wearing a mask and talking out loud right now because he had COVID. He was supposed to be dead. He's fat and he got COVID and that means he's supposed to die. And unfortunately for them, he didn't. So he's with ACB right now going to put her on the bench. But, you know, they're just they're infuriated that like the narrative refuses to play out. Well, the whole thing is part of the presidential campaign as well. You know, Biden, Biden, Harris ticket represents uh, beating the disease, doing the right thing, um, abiding by the science and surviving it. However laborious that is and burdensome that is. That's why Kamala Harris is in the Capitol on TV, except not in the room, because they're so careful. Biden and Harris are so careful that she's there and up in her. She's not going to. They're really. So listen to the science they're, they're, they're abiding by. They're really abiding by the science. And it's all it's such a performative thing. That that's what they represent, which is why I'm happy and amused that Trump, who has seemed to just defenestrated every conventional wisdom consultant he has had. Defenestrated, Alice, means thrown out the window. By the right. Way. Thank you. you wow. Um, uh, and now he's just gone to, I'm Mr. Open Everything Up, no mask anymore. It's like, talk about a campaign that is now 
clearly divided, two dividing lines. Of course, the polling shows that, you know, 93% of people are on, on the Biden be a scared side. But who knows what that really means? I, Actually, not... Gallup did a good poll recently um, about how scared people are of yeah. the coronavirus. And unsurprisingly, it divides pretty much along party lines. Right. Um, but, you know, they ask people about a variety of activities. How willing are you to, you know, go to a gathering inside, go to a gathering outside? And, you know, I think most people are making pretty reasonable decisions. Most people can look at the information and make a decision about what's a safe activity and what their comfort level is and, you know, follow it. And and people are making smart decisions on both sides. I think it's like 60% of Republicans don't really want to go to like indoor gatherings with no masks and stuff, you know, so they're people, people aren't as dumb as Democrats think they are, frankly, like they, people, well, uh, half the country is okay. So their voters are as dumb. No, that's, it's unfair. I mean, like, there, there are a lot of people that don't pay attention to a lot of stuff and don't really care about it, but that's different from being dumb, I think. Well, I mean, okay, then dumb is different than being gullible and assuming that somebody who has a lot of, um, you know, letters after their name and assuming that it's if you if you go into college, let's say Yale, that's a college, right? Mm-hmm. And you go in there assuming that everything your professor says is correct, then I don't know if you're dumb, but you're an empty, simple vessel cyborg that is uh, not that is not using or does not have a naturally distributed filter for BS, or you're just letting it down because mom and dad, you just want to get a grade. Mom and dad, I don't know how I got there. Anyway, so. By the way, there are a lot of people who say a lot of nice things about my wife on social media. And Alice is my wife. For a long time now. I would say almost a decade. Yeah. But um, she also... So I wouldn't say that you're dumb. I would say, Alice, that, that you're technically probably smarter than me, as incredible as that may seem to... <laughs> Shocking. But... Um, how could it be? What in your mind would have compelled you to order a chicken and broccoli pizza for yourself? Tonight? It was chicken broccoli Alfredo pizza. It was good. It has. There's no. Do you no... like chicken broccoli Alfredo pasta? Like a chicken broccoli ziti kind of pasta don't dish? Try to drag me into this trap. You think I'm going <laughs> to f up on a pasta question? This is like Amy Coney Barrett. You know, getting a question about. Uh, Brown versus the borders, I call it, or Heller. Jesus, hearing the law people talk about law too. My goodness, I'm just getting salty. All right, here's the rest of Cuomo. That's a child crying over there. You're gonna hear. We're gonna play a little bit of an Ed Board meeting I had earlier today. To an Ed Board is uh, editorial board meeting. This happened to be with a guy named Ed, but there's a child talking through the whole thing, which is just fantastic. But uh, first, I don't know that we have the resources to do that now. But I can tell you honestly, uh, the the fear is too high uh, to do anything other than uh, let's do everything we can to get the infection rate down now, uh, close the doors, close the windows. That's where we are. Uh, Commissioner, do you want to add something? Uh, no, I'd rather not go on now, sir. Now that you said that astounding stupidity out loud. And I resign. Sorry, I snorted into the microphone again. I'm sorry, I get this reoccurring cold. 
just a cold, mind you. And I thought that I'd killed the mic. I'd killed Alice's mic, of course, because a child's yelling into it right now. But I didn't kill my mic. So that's disgusting, and I regret, live to regret it. But imagine that. He says, Cuomo says, we don't have the resources now to do it the right way. Well, Jesus. I mean, I wish there was somebody who were governing the executive uh, branches and institutions in the, in the state who would have known to do it the right way, who would have dared to do it the right way. No, they, it's not that he didn't. they didn't do it the right way. They, they wanted to do it the easy way and the wimpy way, and that's what happened. And all the casualties are you there in Austin, Massachusetts, and I know we've got, we've got listeners everywhere. Jesus, what a ballsy thing to say. Wow, we've got listeners every. I didn't mean to say that like that. I mean, we've got listeners all over the place now. Thank, thank you so much, and we really appreciate it. Jesus, we've got listeners everywhere. Jerk I am. Um, but, but um, so no, what I mean is that, that is that you guys are all over the place. And so I don't know if your state is handled as bad as our state. By the way, oh, we have to read an email, Alice, by the way. Is that on topic or a talk? That's on the Coney Barrett. Yeah, that's on the court. Later. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Later. So that is, uh, that is uh, Cuomo for today. And that uh, that is remarkable. That is freaking remarkable. I cannot get over it. But we always thought that this is what it might be, and this is what it might be. So just a, uh, like an hour or so ago, you heard uh, Cuomo talking about the fact that <coughs> sorry, people need help. People need stimulus uh, money, businesses, people, industries, really. But start with people need bridge money to get by here. You know, the last time we had uh, anybody got those COVID checks, unless you were laid off, which you got a bunch of them. Um, it was months ago, and people are hurting. And I'm not a um, I'm not a U- UBI guy, but people need emergency money right now because the government has suicided everybody's livelihoods. So we need to get something done now. <clears throat> Nancy Pelosi uh, wants a huge, comprehensive bill filled with all sorts of pork for all her special interests and unions and Green New this and this, whatever. So she's got this huge monster bill that they passed. In May, which is a huge, huge waste of money, senators in uh, Republican senators, it would never pass. They would never pass something that crazy. Trump just wants anything to happen, of course, but they're not <coughs> they're not overly, overly stable there. So now, really, the ball's in Pelosi's court again. She could simply, since they've gone way up to one point something billion, I think the Republicans, she could meet them there now, and they could, we could get some checks flowing. And it's hard for her to get this thing off of her lap because she's now just purely playing to- politics. Not that she always doesn't. Not not that that's not what Washington does. But now there's a fire, and you'd figure you'd want to put the fire out. And she's not doing it. She can't see even see have the sensibility to try to make it look like in front of you that she is doing it. She's not doing it. She's all about the game. She can't get out of the game. She's been doing the game too long. There are people now, the media is saying, the, the activist media, they're now starting to peel off and say, hey, Nancy, you need to do something here. This makes you look bad. Maybe it made, they're afraid it makes Biden look bad. But here's Wolf Blitzer this evening, just a minute ago or so, an hour ago, who knows, uh, putting it to Nancy Pelosi, hey, can we just cut checks for these people? And as you know, there are Americans uh, who are being evicted from their homes. They can't pay the rent. Many Americans are waiting in food lines for the first time in their lives. Uh, Can you look them in the eye, Madam Speaker, and explain why you don't want to accept the president's latest stimulus offer? 
Well, because, uh, thank you very much. Well, because, er, it hits the break. <laughs> Wait, who the think do you, who the freak do you think you're talking to, Wolf? Uh, Wolf, and I, I hope you'll ask the same question of the Republicans about why they don't really want to meet the needs of the American people. But let me say right. to those people, because all of my colleagues... She says, why don't they want to meet the needs of the American people? This isn't meeting the needs of the American people. This is meeting the emergency must-haves to survive right now. Meet the needs. We represent these people. Uh, I have, for over 30 years, represented my constituents. Uh, I know what their needs are. I listen. Yeah, go around San Francisco and look how nice that is. She knows what their needs are. To them. And their needs are not addressed in the president's proposal. So when you say to me, why don't you accept theirs? Why don't they accept ours? Our legislation is there. They move way up towards yours. We're negotiating and people need help right now, Nancy. You do three things primarily to honor our workers, honor our heroes, our healthcare workers, our police and fire first responders, our teachers, our transportation, sanitation, food workers, the people who make our lives work. (laughs) Have we stretched the definition of hero a tiny bit? Well, I mean, I don't. I have no problem with calling I mean, I, first responders and those people heroes. But I like why, everybody wait, wait, as much as the next person. Can we give them a parade? Do we have to, you know, hold up funding for the world until? But did she we, include fast food workers? I as don't know. Heroes? If she, did I she mean, include hairdressers? I don't know. <laughs> we couldn't be doing what we're doing without them. Many of them have risked their lives so that they. At, so let's give them some cash right now, and everybody else too. All the non-heroes too, Nancy. To save lives, and now they will lose their jobs because. But they really, they really. Let the states go bankrupt. Excuse me for Let interrupting, go Ma- Madam Speaker, mm-hmm. but they really need the money right now. Uh, and even members of, I of your own, that, but, your, if, but even members of your own question, caucus, even members of your own caucus, Madam Speaker, uh, want to accept this deal. One point eight trillion dollars. Congressman Ro Khanna, for example. Let me just let me just quote Ro Khanna, a man you know well. I- Wolf is in deep kimchi. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> I assume you admire him. He's a Democrat, and he just said this. He said, "People in need can't wait." Until February, $1.8 trillion. If you don't know who Congressman Ro Khanna is, he is the Democratic congressman who used to be on committees and have an office in the Capitol <laughs> and as of now no longer does. Is significant and more than twice the Obama stimulus. Make a deal. Put the ball in McConnell court. So what do you say to Ro Khanna? What I say to you is I don't know why you're <laughs> always an apologist. And many of your colleagues apologists for the Republican position. Ro Khanna, that's nice. That isn't That's what nice. we're going to do, and nobody's waiting till February. Jesus, can you imagine the moment she <sighs> Ro Khanna is sitting there at some DC bar and grill, you know, throwing popcorn back. The moment she, he sees on the closed caption there as the Nats game is happening, Rokana, that's nice. He, that guy is <laughs> in an Uber and out of Washington DC. He is finito. But uh, but that's how it is. She can't get out of thinking about politics. Just that's how they are in D.C. and they're that way in both sides. Had we had John Boehner up there, it would be the same way in that side. And it's disgusting and it's horrible and it's awful. And they're not ready for a crisis. They don't care about. They don't have a crisis. You have a crisis. <clears throat> so when we look and you say, "Wow, Donald Trump mishandled this crisis," sure he did, but he did because he doesn't know how to handle the crisis. They did because they never stopped politicking. They always looked for the to gain advantage, no matter what, and take advantage of the situation. And by the way, I don't know if anybody could have handled the president as uh, the crisis as the president, but you know, just we'll put the marker there for now. 
So today, along those lines of what a politician does, Senator Ed Markey's been in the Congress since the 70s, 1970s as well. And he has been a senator for, I guess, I guess six years. It would, was he six years? I guess it would be. Mm-hmm. And he is running for elite re-election. He's probably going to win in Massachusetts. Today we spoke to him uh, in my in my official capacity as the senior editor for the Lowell Sun in Massachusetts. And we had an ed board with him, <coughs> editorial board. So if you don't know what editorial board is, when you shoot the breeze with a politician or a notable or somebody – and you um, hash issues out, and you, you talk about things. You get a feel for somebody more than just a straight-on interview. You know, our ed boards, we always publish these things, so so they know that we're going to publish. They can go off the record if they want to, if there's something sensitive that's where they can't say somebody's name, whatever. whatever. But we generally now that they, they don't. Ed Markey didn't today. So so anyway, this is Congre- this Senator Ed Markey. And I asked him uh, the same thing. This is kind of crappy. This is um, you know Google Meets <coughs> or Zoom meeting quality audio. But essentially, I ask him the same thing. I say, well, uh, you know, why? How can we get some money into the hands of the people? Businesses are, are are suffering and folding, and people's lives are being destroyed. And here we go. Why not pass something just piecemeal? Just uh, even the president's twelve hundred bucks. Something. It, just anything. Why does it have to be comprehensive? Uh, well, in order to take care of people who are in need, you have to make sure that... There's our word from Pelosi, needs. Take care of their needs. In other words, no, no, no. We're not going to make people whole, give them instant relief. We're taking care of complete needs. Uh, it doesn't get left behind when the president says, well, I do support uh, $25 billion for the airlines, or I do support this or that. Well, let's take these four things over here. And you say, well, that was, our, that was our leverage to get all the things for poor people, all the food programs. Did you hear that? That was our leverage. Wait, no, we were playing the game here. That's the, we were having you know, a, a, a straight flush going here. Once we have that, then we we lose all our bargaining power. Once we get our huge comprehensive thing, then we be acting like some chump just cutting checks for people without any political gain. No, 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 no. <laughs> all the testing and tracing and PPE programs. So, uh, so when you're negotiating in a situation like this, when the president lays out here are the four or five things I want, and you agree with us, so why don't you do that? Well, uh, all the leverage that you would have to deal with the other programs the ones that would be for the neediest. And uh, and so that's, you know, how, you know, I, I see this issue. That's my son screaming in the background, singing the song from Frozen, I believe. I apologize for that, but uh, thus is life. And, uh, and again, it's in the context of the president only paying $750 in taxes. Right, but and Senator, and I understand it, but, but I understand all of the leverage in the art of negotiation that, yeah. that perhaps it's not uh, advisable to give up your leverage, leverage. But right now, don't we need a fire extinguisher for, for some businesses and families and the hell with the leverage? Exactly. So why why won't they just, uh, why won't they just, you know, come to the, why won't they just do it? Right. <laughs> Why won't they just do it? Why won't they just pass what we want instead of us right. passing what we both want? Why don't they just bend negotiation? Because we're not. That's our leverage. Why not? By the way, you see that uh, Shattuck ain't falling for no Trump uh, income taxes in the tailpipe happening there, right? Get right. that reference? I know. Yeah. Don't. Do you get that reference? I don't know. I mean, in the tailpipe? In the tailpipe, no. It's a Beverly Hills Cup thing. It's pre- oh. It predates you. 
You saw me stay on target, though. Right. I saw you not get distracted by in- the income taxes question. Incredible. Incredible. Wow. Thank you, Alice. All righty, all righty. So I heard Jerry today play these Mark, some Mark Cuban cuts. Uh, do we care about the BLM? Mark Cuban stuff. I'll be on with Jerry bright and early tomorrow, by the way. Okay, let's get to Ka- Kavanaugh. Jesus. It's funny. I have a Kavanaugh cut for today. Would you like to hear Alice? Yes, please. Okay. So um, Amy Coney Barrett today had a pretty standard day. Uh, Democrats yesterday were all about poster boards showing people whose health insurance Amy Coney Barrett was going to ha- happily cut off as soon as she was nominated to the Supreme, confirmed to the Supreme Court. Today took a different turn. It was a little bit uh, odd, I must say. And Maisie Hirono never ceases to to impress me as far as somebody who's unhinged and very angry person. And she's got this. She always hovers around a specific theme. Since you became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? No, Senator Hirono. Have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? No, Senator. Nothing creepy at all about that, Senator. Nothing creepy at all. Now, in her defense, she did ask the same thing in 2018 to Brett Kavanaugh. Since you became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? No. Have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? No. Have you ever faced a congressman during a hearing fixated on sex? (laughs) I mean, maybe she brought the wrong binder. Maybe she brought the cabinet because she's reading the questions off her notes from a minor. Maybe she brought her 2018 no, she says Supreme well, Court Justice Binder. So they were there was a huge after she asked Kavanaugh that question in twenty eighteen, there was a huge yes, Slay Queen moment between her and Allison Camerata and all the CNN women say, Oh, that was great. Why did you ask that? And she says she asked it to everybody, which is not creepy at all, I think. That, <laughs> that should always be the first question uh, is if you're a rapist, I think. Not once, but twice. You use the term sexual preference. To describe those in the LGBTQ community. And let me make clear, sexual preference is an offensive and outdated term. It is used by anti-LGBTQ activists to suggest that sexual orientation is a choice. It is not. Sexual orientation is a key part. Some of my perverted lines of questioning actually have an agenda, too. And this one is the LGBT. Of a person's identity. That sexual orientation is both a normal expression of human sexuality and immutable was a key part of the majority's opinion in Obergefell, which, by the way, Scalia did not agree with. So if it is your view that sexual orientation is merely a preference, as you noted, then the LGBTQ community should be rightly concerned whether you would uphold their constitutional right to marry. Can you imagine that you could have Andrew Cuomo as your attorney general four months from now and Maisie Hirono as a high-ranking Democrat in the United <laughs> States Congress. Can you imagine that? I mean, some at least Cory Booker stuck, you know, stuck to judicial experience uh, questions. But I, I want to just ask you very simply, and I, I imagine you'll give me a very short, resolute answer. Um, but you condemn white supremacy, correct? 
Yes. Oh, thank you. He turns his folder to, if she says yes, go to page eight. Here we are. <laughs> thank you. I'm glad to see that you said that. I wish our president... I'm not acting at all right now. Uh, ...would say that so resolutely and unequivocally as well. But we are at a time that Americans are literally fearful. She answered the question 26 seconds ago, Corey. ...fearful because their president cannot do that in the resolute manner in which you did. I'm, I'm sorry that that question had to even be asked at this time. So let me move on. Have you raped anybody in, <laughs> since you've been an adult at all? Not once, but twice. You used the term sexual preference. We snooped around and we found <laughs> out that you had done that. We don't miss that. You understand? You're the one who's weird here, Miss Catholic. You're the one who's weird, even though you haven't brought up sexual preferences or sexual assault at all here. You're just trying to do lawyer and judge stuff. No, 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 no. Since you became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? No, Senator Hirono. Have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? No, Senator. Okay, how about before you were a legal adult? Anything <laughs> good then? <sighs> <laughs> Jesus, what a creepy, creepy person. <laughs> so, let's see. That's what happened with uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Obviously, she comported herself well. She's, you know, it's funny. Jerry Callahan, who's my new nemesis, Alice. I'm, I'll mm-hmm. be talking with him tomorrow morning. He's got a problem with her voice. I think her voice is lovely. She sounds like Leslie Mann. It's like the best. I love her, too. Yeah. It's like the best voice in the world. Screw you, Callahan. And you little... Uh, uh, Orc, uh, Dave Cullinane. Cullinane, by the way. The Heller case is a case decided by the Supreme Court, which held that the Second Amendment protects an individual right to bear arms. Okay. Now, my friends on the left, some of them have a problem with Heller. They may try to challenge the construct of Heller. If a state or local government passed a law in defiance of Heller, what would happen? In defiance of Heller? Or, or that was challenging the construct of Heller. That challenged the construct of Heller. If it was a lower, if it was brought in a lower court, Heller binds. I mean, Heller's lower. Of course, it binds. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love her. Winchester just, High, kid. Lower courts always have to follow Supreme Court precedent, and so. And that if, law- the, if the if uh, the Supreme Court wanted to revisit Heller, what would they do? Um, if someone challenged Heller below because a state or local government passed a law contradicting Heller, the Supreme Court would have to. Did you, did you say you love Heller? Her. You love her. I love her. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Well, you know, somebody orders a uh, broccoli pizza. You never know what they're <laughs> capable of saying. Take that case once it was appealed all the way up. So the court would have. And shockingly, shockingly, the kids all went after my pepperoni and onion pizza here. I am shocked that they did. I would never have seen that coming. Our at daughter all. ate the chicken broccoli pizza with me. She has no palate. Five year old girls don't know how to I eat. I think a chicken broccoli Alfredo pizza is. Delicious. It's not a pizza. A pizza is not a stupid salad. <laughs> a pizza should be oozing with the precious. The I rest- like salad. No. Then stick to salads. <laughs> no more stupid pizzas around here. Uh, you know what the pizza is? Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a pizza preference for broccoli and chicken. You either immutable characteristics of a pizza are these. <laughs> they have pepperoni. In Greece, those are the immutable characters. Is a cheese pizza pizza? pizza? Like without pepperoni on it? Did you say is a cheese pizza pizza? <laughs> yes. Do you actually ask for cheese when you order a pizza? Well, our kids do. 
Do you assume that they're not going to put cheese on? If not, it's just bread. No, but a plain cheese pizza. (laughs) Is that a pizza? Like with sauce. Sauce, cheese, bread, right? Right. Cheese is... Is a plain cheese pizza a pizza? Yes, it's a minimalist pizza, yes. There are some cheese pizzas, especially depending on the kind of cheese, that are just gorgeous. When I went to the 97 pub up here... Are you giving me the finger? No. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The 97 pub up here, way up near we are, a place called Groveland. If those of you who are down in in or around uh, 128 in the 617 area code, you've never heard of that far off land called Groveland, (laughs) but there is one. And it's a place called the 97 Pub, and they have this little pizza. It's called like Nick's Pizza. I don't, no, it's not Nick's people, Pizza. It's got a name, like Henry's Pizza. Anyway, the pizza is beautiful, but it does come, as it should, with about an inch and a half of grease on top. And God bless them for doing that, and God will salvage their souls and the souls of their offspring in the name of uh, all that is uh, decent. God bless America for them. 97 Pub, they have great stuff. They have non-greasy stuff, too. Um, I suggest you go there. And they have good beer, too. have to decide, yes, we want to overrule Heller, and we have enough votes uh, to grant cert and then do so. So that's the way the process works. Yes, it would start because there was a law, then there was a lawsuit, then there was an appeal, then the court granted cert, and then the court decided the case. Is- court granted cert. Alice, I'm going to pretend to know what that means. I love her <laughs> voice. She sounds like every girl I've graduated from with from high school. Is that true no matter what the issue is, whether it's gun, abortion, health care, uh, campaign finance, does that process hold true for everything? Yes, you always, not, judges can't just wake up one day and say, I have an agenda, I like guns, I hate guns, I like abortion, I hate abortion, and walk in like a, a royal queen and impose you know, their will on the world. You have to wait for cases and controversies, which is the language of the Constitution, to wind their way through the process. All right. Well, Senator Sass gave us a good uh, civics lesson. I hope that's the basic lesson in law here. I understand that that's a bit of a teeing up uh, for Amy Coney Barrett. I understand that, that nobody was raped in Lindsay's question, unlike <laughs> Maisie Hirono. But um, it's nice to hear talk law. I don't know anything. I, I don't know at all anything she was talking about there. But I know that she wasn't using notes. John Cornyn asked a, another hard-hitting question from the Republicans. Um, multiple notebooks and notes and books and things like that in front of us. Can you hold up what you've been referring to and answering our questions? Is there anything on it? Uh, that letterhead that says United States Senate. That's, imp- that's impressive. Okay. And thus, a meme was born. Right. So that was, she held up an empty note because she's that smart that she's just... I think that might have been one of those things that Trump invented called a photo opportunity. (laughs) Well, right. I mean, and they did, you know, press her on a lot of stuff. Like, she did have a lot of knowledge at her disposal, citing case law and things. I mean, she really, the Democrats did press her on a lot of stuff. And this is, we know it's a song and dance and a ritual that we have to go through of this whole thing. And we know what the outcome of this is going to be, barring any huge upsets to the apple cart here. But, um, you know, this... This might be a good time to bring up your uh, listener email that you... Oh, you can't bring it up, can you? Because he has it. No, my child is oh, watching... I'm unable to breathe. My child my... is watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, so you may have to read the email. All right. Alice, um, the email. I sent it to you from my Winchester account, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's make sure we do all this live during the show. Nobody wants to miss this. W-I-N-N-C-H-E-S-T-R at gmail.com in case you want to send us an email. 
Nice going in. I'm this. I still get these these old emails from the Mass General Patient Gateway from like seven years ago when they wanted to weigh me. And I was like, <laughs> and I doctor shopped after that. I'm like, no, I'm not going back in there for them to all stand around and off. Okay. <clears throat> This is stuff for me to speak, Alice. As you notice, I'm being overtaken with a uh, viral went, load. Tom went out in the rain today. Yes, for the people. Did it for you. Okay, this is from Stony Slopes. Should I be saying this? No, just no. read the email. Okay, sorry about that. It's from Dan in New Hampshire. Dan in New Hampshire. Hey, Tom, just wanted to say I really enjoy the podcast. I don't even mind the barking dogs and crying children. Good. Good. Makes me laugh. But at some point, I... Okay. <sighs> At some point, they will be. We'll have uh, a way to make them not be all over the place. Anyway, here we go. Hey, Tom, I just want to say I enjoy the podcast. I don't mind the barking dogs and crying children. It makes me laugh. Just a thought on the ACB hearings. Shouldn't ACB? He didn't snort in his letter, by the way. <laughs> Shouldn't ACB be asked her thoughts on the ACA, abortion, gay rights, etc.? Aren't the Republicans playing the same game that Dems, Biden, and Harris are playing with not telling us if they're going to quote pack the court? You'll find out when she's confirmed. It won't matter what she says. She's still going to be confirmed, and they could really make the Dems look like fools, hypocrites. doesn't matter to me. I just don't uh, I don't have a dog in this hunt. I despise both Trump and Biden, and they both scare me. I heard someone say yesterday, just because someone is less bad, it doesn't make them good. <laughs> that is the times we're in, though, Dan. Keep up the good work, Dan in Hampshire. Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Thanks for listening. And uh, yes, you are right. I mean, this is a this is a pony show on both sides. And um, but uh, no, I think she should answer questions today. Um, I I don't know. I, I well, I, go, I defer. I now um, yield the floor to Alice Shattuck. Well, Amy Coney Barrett should answer questions on her judicial philosophy, on rulings that she has made on cases. Um, that's all totally fair. Um, however... And whether or not she's raped anybody. And whether or not, of course. Um, so, but there is kind of a difference between what's happening with her and what's happening with Biden, where Biden's saying, you know, you'll, you have to elect me to find out what my positions are. Um, which is that judges actually aren't allowed to say kind of how they would rule in some hypothetical case when they're being considered for the bench because um, it makes them kind of considered biased in the case. Now, of course, everybody comes to these cases with their own sort of perspective and judicial understanding of like what the law is supposed to be. So she's an originalist. So she thinks the Constitution ought to be interpreted as it was meant to be interpreted by the people who wrote it, not, you know, just like freewheeling, deciding it means whatever you want it to mean today. Um, and and, you know, there are people that feel that it should, like, grow and change and we should be able to change it as we go along, um, you know, without going through the process to do amendments or whatever. But um, but the thing is, and if you listen to the hearing at all today, you probably heard either her quote this or Mike Lee quote this saying, um, quote, Ruth Bader Ginsburg saying in, during her confirmation hearings that uh, judges decide cases, you know, and 
you can't not issues. So you can't ask her like, what's your opinion on abortion the way you would a legislator whose job it is to make the law that either makes abortion legal or not legal because judges aren't supposed to make laws. They aren't supposed to be trying to get their preferred outcome out of a case. They're supposed to listen to the facts in the case with an open mind, the specific case. Somebody has to bring a specific case. They can't just... You know, Congress doesn't just pass a law and they go, oh, well, that's unconstitutional. Somebody has to specifically challenge the law who's specifically impacted by the law, who has standing to challenge the law and say, this is challenging me and this is violating the Constitution and hurting me in this way. And then the court has to make a decision based on the facts in that case. And yes, precedent does come out of these decisions, but the decisions are based on the specifics of a specific case. And judges have to go into those cases with an open mind, which is why you will never hear any judge in any confirmation hearing say, you know, oh, I'm definitely going to vote against Roe. Like, Roe isn't on the table anymore. Neither is Casey, which I would argue actually has more impact on abortion policy today. But she's not going to decide Casey. Casey has decided. What's What isn't decided is the next case that's going to come before the Supreme Court, which is going to have new facts. And it's the same thing with Obamacare. She did say she disagreed with Judge Roberts, Justice Roberts, sorry, um, Justice Roberts ruling that uh, Obamacare was a tax. She doesn't think Obamacare is a tax based on the way the law was written, you know. But this new challenge to Obamacare isn't based on that. This is a new case based on entirely new information. It's a case that a lot of legal scholars, including conservative legal scholars, think is not very firmly grounded in reality. There's a very high chance that, you know, even Kavanaugh and Roberts are not going to side with the conservatives on this one. Perhaps even, I mean, some conservative legal scholars think that this could be a unanimous decision upholding Obamacare, but there's there's a lot of ways that could go, and I won't get into the full weeds of that, but it's um, the, the idea that she's just getting confirmed to do Trump's bidding on Obamacare um, is incorrect. And and, you know, she's never going to tell you what she's going to do about a hypothetical because she has to maintain her, you know, impartiality for when these specific cases come up. But that's the point. She's not going to tell you like, oh, this is how I she can talk to you about how she feels about another case that happened in the past. But she right. can't talk to you about hypotheticals because she's not passing laws. You can ask right. legislators or presidents this because if they're for abortion or against abortion, they're going to come in and pass laws to achieve that policy outcome. But judges aren't supposed to be trying to achieve right. policy she outcomes. She can look at its particular application in the case. Right. Maybe, but not the overall veracity of the law. Or how and, good or bad it is. Exactly. She's or not the morality to, of it. Right. She's not trying to get at that. She's not trying to get a policy outcome that is what she wants. You wouldn't want her to. You wouldn't want a justice to come in who's trying to achieve a specific set of policy outcomes. And I don't think that she is. I I tend to be not very cynical about the Supreme Court. I think most of the justices come in, you know, wanting to make good judicial decisions. And some of them come to different conclusions on these cases, you know, because they're coming at it from a different legal perspective. So she can talk about her... Her legal background, decisions that she's made, things like that. But she's not going to come in and tell you what her policy preferences are because that would make her a bad justice. Right. All right. So uh, exactly what I was going to say, Alice, word for word of what I was going to say, your ability to use uh, telepathic um, 
giping of my thoughts is uh, incredible to see in action. I've got to say, I am, I am in awe. Well done, well done. So, um, do you need to do something over there with that little man? No, is he okay? okay. We're okay. Well, you you missed the transit. While she was talking, he was uh, extorting her for some ginger ale and it involved uh, glasses and bottles moving around and this and that. So, but uh, well said, Alice. Well thought out. What would Maisie Hirono ask him about? It? Something disturbing, <laughs> I bet. All right, so uh, I want to. I'll hit the Mark Cuban stuff really. Mark Cuban and Megan Kelly. Megan Kelly's always been a great interview. She is back. She is back. She made a bad career move in deciding to try to take candidate Trump down in 2016. Thought she had gained enough chits in the uh, activist media to to have a gig that would survive uh, on uh, NBC. It didn't. There was a built-in insurgency, and they it didn't matter how much Ellen liked dancing she was going to do. She was persona non grata and tossed. But she got a nice payout. Anyway, she's talking to Mark Cuban now. He's uh, He owns the Dallas Mavericks. He's an all-around jerk. He's kind of – he's uh, he'll be running for president very soon, I assume. But anyway, talking about the Black Lives Matter stuff, the NBA this year, they wore little slogans on their uh, jerseys and – and uh, on the court, they had uh, slow, whatever they had. You know what they had. Anyway, Megan Kelly and Mark Cuban. You wear a pink ribbon to support breast cancer. That's one thing. Putting BLM in the middle of the court when it's not supported by virtually any Republican in the country. It's down, less than 20% okay, well, let's talk of Republicans about that, support that's the group. Topic. So that's a different. So, okay. So first there, when you said the group, what group are you talking about? Black Lives Matter, capital B, capital L, capital No, L. okay. But, but who is that group? Because it it's, is not a, a group, it's a group it's a founded movement. by Marxists who no, want to dismantle no, the nuclear family and defund the police. No, first, that's incorrect. So first of all, no, it's 100 um, percent correct. OK, so let's go there. OK, so first of all, let's talk in terms of who I do love how he is such a bully when he speaks. And I have no problem with that at all. So is Trump. So are a lot of people. But how he, how is he from the West Coast? Th- that bullying attitude. And she's not taking it when I think he likes that. But a lot of bullies, when when they're on, when they're in the media, when you're interviewing them, when they're bullies and they're piping up right in your face, if you give it right back to them, they will they will melt down immediately. Let's see where, where's Mark Cuban from. Where did he learn to be such a bully? Inventor, where is he from? Mark Cuban was born in Pittsburgh. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, <laughs> that's a, why he's a bully. He's exactly, from he's a jerk from Philadelphia. I mean, sorry, Pennsylvania. All right, Mark, keep going. We support. There's blacklivesmatter.com, and that's where you go to get the information about the organization. Those are the people who started the hashtag. That's all they did. Yeah, that's all they did. That's where you go to get the information about the organization, but they're not connected whatsoever. They just started the hashtag. No, those aren't the people that we've been playing here for months in Black Lives Matter Plaza with a Black Lives Matter megaphone saying that the police should be shot. No, those aren't those people. Although That's a totally different Black Lives Matter. If we were supporting BlackLivesMatter.com, don't you think, Megan, we would have been smart enough to put the .com on the court along with Black Lives Matter? Come on. You're, now you're split. No, Mark, I'm suggesting that BlackLivesMatter.com would have come with a heavy invoice for Black Lives Matter, and uh, you didn't make that sale. Splitting hairs. I no, mean, I'm not. When, I'm not. No, so let's go. No, so what BLM enough, are you supporting? We're supporting the movement. It, it's really a, a distributed movement across the country to, to try to end racism. 
to bring awareness to social justice issues. Then why wouldn't it be called the end racism movement? Why does it have to be called the Black Lives Matter movement? It seems to me that's a bit targeted. Mm-hmm. It just so happens to be exactly like the name of a Marxist organization that's trying to end the nuclear family and destroy uh, the criminal justice system. It's so odd. I mean, you know, that it's the same way Antifa is just an idea and definitely not an organization that anyone is a part of and they can't be responsible for anyone who claims to be a part of Antifa. You know, Republicans have to constantly denounce any toxic person who remotely identifies themselves as being right wing constantly, you know, that you own them. But um, the left doesn't have to own the people that they're literally supporting those exact people. They have nothing to do with each other. It's totally it's like Schrodinger's organization. Jesus, who? It's like, you know, the Schrodinger's cat thing. No. OK, we're not going to get into it right now. Other people know what I mean. <laughs> The hell's that supposed to mean? I don't know about that. But when I sit and I talk to African American males in particular, right? And I didn't have this understanding until I sat and talked to our players and their families and other people around them, right? And you know, they they said, Mark, you know, you have a daughter about that just started driving at the time. Did you have to have the talk with them? And I'm like, what's the talk? And they, they start to tell you about, well, one, here's what you have to do if you. At any time, did a conversation about what happens if the cop pulls you over at all? <laughs> What's the talk? I can't understand the talk. I mean, I assume one of the talks would be, you know, release the clutch slowly if people still drive standards. You know, um, how to parallel park the U-turn. But we know he knows what the talk is, mm-hmm. and we know what the talk is. And I would say most people probably have the talk, or your parent knows that you probably just get it anyway. A lot of people don't have to have the talk if they and their kids don't assume that the cops are brutal brown shirts there to kill you. You get pulled over by the police. You don't never assume. told your son to obey when pulled over by cops? No, that's not it. That's You're not letting me finish. That's obvious. <clears throat> of course whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not obvious. Because one of the problems is people diving and getting in wrestling matches with the cops. True, but... You know, then you do have like Philando Castile, who is a licensed gun owner who did the right thing to explain to the cop that he's a licensed gun owner who has his weapon on him and got shot for pretty much. Yes, no but reason. is there an epidemic of Philando Castillos? Well, no, but there's at least one. Certainly, I know at least one. So, I mean, like that is it's not as simple as like just listen and like nothing bad will ever happen to you with the police. Well, I would say he's the exception that proves the rule. Alice, it's that, that, you know, and I don't think anybody's suggesting that he did the wrong thing. And that guy was murdered. But to to suggest, you know, that everybody has to have the, that, that one group that has to have the talk more than any other group. And this is a conversation that most Americans aren't ready to have, although Megan Kelly does get close to it. They tell him to do everything that he's supposed to do. But also, when you get pulled over, make sure you pull over in a lighted area if you at all can. If you have somebody else in the car with the phone, make sure they're videotaping it. If you at all can, if you can call somebody so people can listen in to what's going on, please do. If you all can, if you can automate something on your phone to do a quick dial to make all this happen, please do. If you can, that's part one. Part two, when you go into a retail establishment, don't be surprised if people start eyeballing you and following you simply because you're black. 
You could be dressed the exact same way as a white individual walking down the same aisle, and there's still a greater chance that they're going to watch you, and you just have to be able to deal with it and not get mad. So that is um, a disingenuous thing to say that he just said. And uh, chances are that people in retail probably follow whoever they think is going to steal. And I think in some places, it's white people that look a certain way. Some places, it's boys. Some places, it's girls. I think people in retail and people generally profile for one reason or another. And I don't think it comes down to a, you know, a, a, a verdict on race. Maybe sometimes it does. Maybe. You know, I mean, like I told you, I used to work in hotels and and um, and the the bellmen, the doormen, they would pick and choose. And same with working in, as, as a server in, the, in banquets. They would pick and choose who they want to pick up and bring up to uh, uh, to to help go to their room with all the luggage. And it was done by geography and it was done by um, race. And there's no doubt about that. Um, although I don't know that it would, that it, I don't know there was any sentiment that, um, it was, it was not, it was not, the, 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 the doorman wasn't eschewing black people. They were eschewing, and it had to do with nationality. Nobody wanted to take Canadians because they wouldn't tip well. Nobody didn't, this is back in the, I'm not, this is just how it was in the saving world. People didn't want to take, um, um, the Japanese businessmen. Because their luggage was heavy and they didn't tip well. People would always want to take loud New York jerks. Black, white, Italian, Irish, didn't matter. You always wanted loud New York City jerks because they were jerks, but they tipped well. But that's just how it was. Okay? You know, people didn't want to take people from England and Ireland because they had a vat over there. So you assumed that we had a vat over here and they didn't know how to tip. It just wasn't, uh, wasn't, did he break the glass? No, he just poured out soda on your rug. Oh, come on, man. Come on, man. You you know the thing. Yeah. So that's just uh that doesn't matter. So anyway, so I'm not I, I by the way, I'm not saying that this is that this is a a race-free world. I'm just saying not everything is pernicious horrible racism. People, and by the way, the people doing this in my time being in hotels were Probably majority usually black guys who were doing the who were doing the uh, um, discrimination against who they were going to help as far as taking luggage, etc. Um, that's just who it was, okay. And they're all great guys. Everybody's a great guy, and it's fine, okay. Don't worry about it. Jesus, <sighs> shut up, Mark. If you're running in a neighborhood, please do have somebody with you because when see, people see a black male running through a neighborhood. They get concerned, and there's a good chance you're going to have the police called on you. So don't be surprised. So you're better off running or jogging or walking or walking your dog with another person because you are at risk. Mark, have you ever had to have those convers- these conversations with your children? The answer is no. And that's the difference. And so when they see Jacob Blake shot, they're not looking to make Jacob Blake. Mark's also worth $8 billion, too. So he's not going to have a lot of conversations that other people would have, but there's there are class ramifications to <coughs> to uh, all, a lot of the stuff as well. So I'm sorry about this. We're having us the uh, production is breaking down in part of the studio. The martyr, Jacob Blake, just happened to be the person that was just one more brick in the wall 
that just cemented where the African-Americans feel that they are. That's the problem. Jacob Blake was the guy who just raped his girlfriend, was he not? Allegedly? Uh, not at that. That wasn't. That incident didn't occur at that time. But, but she was, had previously but complained about day. him doing that. No, not same day. I think it was. That was an earlier complaint. He was violating the restraining order or whatever. He was supposed to be staying away from her because he okay. had done that. He was accused of doing that. He had an active open warrant for his arrest because of that. And he showed up at the house and was taking some kids away in a SUV. So that we don't know if he was supposed to be taking them or not. Problem. That's why well, I support it. That's why the NBA I understand it. And, and the points you're making, I don't dispute any of those. I, I think you can argue about whether, I mean, young women also get followed around stores a lot because of course. we're the ones who, who are likely to steal. I mean, they think young women who can't afford the dresses are going to take them and shove them in their purse. So it doesn't just happen based on skin color. Right. And like I said before, I used to I used to work in a, in a place that do, used to do... Um, Used to do fancy dinners, fancy events, and the 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 lead waitress was a Jewish woman, and she wouldn't work Jewish functions because she said that they weren't they were they were cheap. I'm not saying that they were cheap. I don't know who was cheap or anything about that stuff. I loved working that job; it was a blast. But not everybody. It it's not always, you know. Um, not everything is evil, pernicious racism or hate. Not everything. Sometimes people gonna people, as I say, and it just uh, happens sometimes. Alice, how much trouble am I in for what I've said here? Am I in trouble? Would you say? I don't know. You could be canceled. I don't know. No, I can't be canceled. I mean, I'm not even. Uh, I'm not even established to, to be. Can- I, I, I am canceled essentially. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get to your canceled. communist, or should we um, shelve that? Yeah, we can talk communism. Okay. Noam Chomsky, who's a resident of... Is he the Lexington Mass guy? Yeah. Okay. Noam Chomsky. I have two cuts, Alice. I will let you set them up. So he appeared on this podcast, the Bad Faith podcast. Can you you take him out, please? And uh, he appeared on this podcast, the Bad Faith podcast, which is... There are donuts downstairs. Why don't you go in the kitchen and get him donuts? Cyril, follow him. Get donuts. It's a very left-wing podcast. Downstairs. It's like Bernie people. Okay. And um, and so anyway, so they had Noam Chomsky on because Noam Chomsky is known amongst the far left people for the, despite the fact that he is really, really radical, he believes that people should vote for Biden over Trump and not hold out because Bernie didn't get nominated. Um, so they disagree with him on this. So they had him on to yell at him uh, about this belief and um and you know she says um so so you can hear her say that why she thinks people should um should hold out and and not vote for Biden over Trump. I would argue that if the Democratic Party, if Joe Biden as a candidate were unwilling to concede these very um, common sense concessions that would help him in electoral context and would also be the right thing to do, that it is he who would be enabling Trump and that framing the onus as decidedly on the voter instead of the politician who's in a position of power to actually affect the outcome is wrongly 
doing a kind of a kind of voter shaming that continues to have the effect of suppressing the vote among people who are, I think, very valiantly asking for a better world. And yes, using the vote, the only real tool they have to directly communicate with their elected officials to influence. Totally wrong. That's the establishment view, and you shouldn't buy into it. The vote is not the only tool you have. Oh, well, one of the only. I didn't say exclusively. It's the least of the tools that you have. That's the establishment view. You're a spectator, not a participant. Do the vote, go home. The real politics is constantly working to change the conditions under which political figures will be compelled to shift their views. That's real politics. So I think what he says here is so telling about how the left operates. And if you think back to 2010, it seemed like there was so much energy on the Republican side about Obamacare, about huge bailouts and taxes going up and all this money poured into elections and Republicans got a ton of people elected, over a thousand people at all levels of government, state legislatures, governors, congressmen, senators. I mean, 2010 was a wave year for Republicans. We've had more Republicans elected in this country in the last decade than, I mean, I don't know about ever, but certainly a huge number. And what do we have to show for it in terms of Republican victories? How has the country shifted to the right from that? Hmm. You know, I, I don't know. It hasn't. But you know why? Because the left wins every single battle in the culture. It didn't matter that they lost election after election after election after election because they pushed the conversation. They made it. After Obama was elected saying marriage was between a man and a woman, they made it socially unacceptable, politically devastating to say that you don't support gay marriage. They made that the, the way that issue is. They made it so that politicians can't have that position anymore. While Republicans were getting people elected like chumps, the left <laughs> moved the needle on every issue, you know, in the culture. And, and you know, abortion, you name it, anything else. So on, you know, UBI, on the Green New Deal, on everything. And the the right doesn't even try to win these battles. I once saw an analysis, and I don't know where it is now, about how much money went into elections for the Republican. And I say into elections because a lot of it went to grifters uh, who were, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into that whole thing. But the amount of money that Republicans donated to Republican PACs and stuff during that Tea Party era, if it had, you know, it was enough to, like, found Twitter. Huh. You know, we could have a right-wing real Twitter right now and not stupid parlor that 18 people are on and, you know, 16 of them are Nazis. But... Hey, no. <laughs> leave my buddy Dan Bongino alone. It's okay. parlay, okay? Okay, whatever. The stupid app. But, you know, the right, like, doesn't even try. And for the party that supposedly thinks that, you know... Not everything has to come from the government that we can do things without the government hanging over us. We seem to think that the government can solve a lot of culture war, culture war issues when it can't. The only thing that can solve it is actually changing people's minds by being out there and doing this stuff and being activists. And that's what Noam Chomsky is saying. He's saying 
The vote isn't a powerful tool at all. It doesn't matter who you elect because we, the activists, are going to change the conversation and Republicans are always a step behind on that. If you wait, it's going to be acceptable, unacceptable not to do the black power salute when somebody demands it of you in about six months. And Republicans, if they don't, you know, hold the line against that, you know, that's going to be the reality. These things move fast. I, I think completely agree. That's is that they're changing. Reason. They change norms. They mm-hmm. they get in there and they ratchet stuff in slowly and slowly right. and slowly. And one reason people like Trump, for all the things that are terrible about him, is that he doesn't care what the norms are. He doesn't care. He doesn't feel the pressure. Maybe because he has mental issues. I don't know. But like when the Kavanaugh heat happening, mm-hmm. Trump like thrives on that. He like drinks it in and it makes him stronger when he's getting like the flames of hate are licking at him. He's just like he is riding the storm. So he like loved the Kavanaugh thing when he could push back on that. A Romney would have folded under that and not confirmed Kavanaugh because he would have been scared of the pressure. And that's what the left does. That's where their power is. And that's what they're planning to do. So if you think Biden is a moderate, think again, because they are going to bull him right over. And in fact, Noam, our friend Noam Chomsky, is about to brag about having already done this. Uh, can we uh, hold can you- that next cut till tomorrow and finish this conversation? You want me to do it right yes. now? Yes. Jesus. I just teed up me. the cut I for saw you. you teeing up something, Alice, but it's it's like late. Just point. Play- you could already played it. How has Biden been moved to the left? Well, very clearly. What you're saying is he didn't move as far as you wanted. True. He didn't move as far as I wanted. But take a look at the programs. So you look at the campaign, take, say, climate change, the most important thing. His program is way to the left of any previous one, certainly to the left of what the DNC wants, calling for uh, nowhere near far enough, but much farther to the left. I can quote it for you if you want, or you can look it up. Same on other issues. Not as far as I would like, but it has been moved. Same is true of everyone in the past. Uh, Lyndon Johnson didn't go as far as I would have liked on civil rights, but he went farther than anything in the past. Uh, Richard Nixon didn't go as far as I wanted on protecting workers' rights, but he went to the left under pressure. That's how politics works. Yes, it won't be as far as we like, therefore we keep working. Not it didn't go as far as I like. Therefore, I'll vote. I'll support the worst guy. Remember, those are the choices. You have a choice of supporting Trump or voting against him. You don't have any other choice on November 3rd. Now, so there you have it. I mean, that's what they want. It's They're moving the candidates to the left, whether you like it or not. You don't have to, you know, elect a communists to end up with communism you just have to elect people who cave to the communists right and they had to like i said they ratchet that again and again and again i remember about 10 years ago being at this radio row and it was about uh an immigration thing and we were we would talk to these people democrats about we would so we would say yes but this person was an illegal immigrant this person was a legal immigrant and they they all started saying at the same time wait don't say illegal don't use that word don't use that word there's no such thing no person's illegal don't use that word. Don't use that word illegal. No person's illegal. No person's illegal. And that went right up and got right up into the White House. And then it, they stopped being illegal immigrants and they were immigrants. And Barack Obama said, you know, Nikola Tesla, you know, came here. He was an immigrant. But, but I'm glad, I bet you're glad that he came for it. You know, Albert Einstein, another immigrant. 
but don't let them tell you that they don't want more immigrants. And so once they started conflating the language, they used a little bit, a little bit, and soon it was normalized. You can't say illegal anymore because that's a, that's now a slur. And so now every immigrant, everybody is the same. You know, whether you, you come over the wall or or you're, you 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 have you get paid, you know, to jam a a, a cargo truck full of five hundred refugees. Uh, or uh, or illegals or drug dealers or great people doesn't matter you know they're bringing all kinds, um, so they change the language and they change the culture and that's how um, the leftists work and they normalize things. I mean there was a time, uh, not even eight years nine years ago where it would have been considered an apostatical, apostatical. I have no idea. What does an apostate do? Apostatize. It would Apo- have been an apostasy. It would have been an apostasical uh, act <laughs> to think that you would say with a straight face to somebody on the phone, and then present somebody at the table a broccoli and cheese pizza. But no, it has been wedged into society, and now it is happening. Alice, we can continue this tomorrow. I'm going to pass out uh, <laughs> and enter my coma, I believe, as it were now. You can follow Alice Shattuck at Alice Shattuck at Twitter. Thanks more. Uh, I'm Tom Shattuck on Twitter. More uh, emails. We like those. Winchester at gmail.com. W-I-N-N-C-H-E-S-T-R at gmail.com. I'm on Jerry Callahan tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Possibly Todd Feinberg as well at 3 Prime Meridian. Hang out tomorrow. We'll see y'all. C'est la vie. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.